Hello and welcome to the Beginner's Guide to U.S. Immigration Podcast, part of the Canvas. I'm Taylor Abbott, and this podcast is all about getting you started on the path to living in the United States of America. If you haven't listened to episode one, make sure you go back and do that now. This is going to be a continuation from where we left off. And just before we get started, guys, I just want to let you know, of course, I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to be one, and anything I say and going forward here in this podcast is personal opinion. I mean, there's nothing legal or anything about that. Uh, I don't claim or promise anything to you guys. I just have to get that out of the way as a disclaimer before we start. So definitely consult uh, your own immigration lawyer before you take any action. And so I think what we should do here is get started with a quick review of Episode 1. So in our previous episode, we covered my story of being a Canadian immigrant and moving with my family from Alberta, Canada to San Antonio, Texas. And again, just as a reminder, we were able to obtain an E-2 visa because we purchased a business and we invested in the United States economy, which allows us to live and work in the United States. So again, this is just one path, but it happens to be the one that my family took and that I have firsthand experience with. So that's why I shared that story with you guys. And we also covered the types of the immigration visa sponsorships, and we went into a little further detail in the previous episode. But for a quick recap... There's three main sponsorship choices, and that is being sponsored by a U.S. citizen relative, a U.S. lawful permanent resident, or a prospective employer. So again, there's three main ways, and that's having a relative that already lives here in the United States. Uh, There's somebody that's already a lawful permanent resident that can sponsor you to come over here. Or also, if you have a possible job with a prospective employer, they can also... uh, sponsor you to come over here to the United States. And along with the three main sponsorship choices, there's also two main types of immigration visas. This is family-based immigration and employment-based immigration. So again, that's pretty obvious. Family-based is when somebody family-wise sponsors you to come over here and gives a reason for that you can live here with them in the United States. And employment is obviously if you're going to have a job or some type of job where your employer is able to sponsor you and have you come over to the United States to work for them. So again, there's three main sponsorship kind of pathways, and that's having a U.S. citizen relative, a U.S. lawful permanent resident or a prospective employer that's going to sponsor you to come over here. And as well, after the three main sponsorship choices, there's two main types of immigration visas, and that's family-based and employment-based. And again, just as a quick reminder, guys, I've written the Beginner's Guide to U.S. Immigration eBook. You can download that, and it really deep dives into all the details of everything that we've been talking about. And of course, it also gives you a simple step-by-step guide into the specific tasks and information needed to get your U.S. visa. So again, it's available for download on Amazon and iTunes, and I have a link to it here in the podcast description, but you can also just go onto Amazon, search the Beginner's Guide to U.S. Immigration, same with iTunes by Taylor Abbott. So definitely check that out. But in the meantime, let's jump into today's topic. Okay, here we go. So today we're going to be covering the detailed process of obtaining your U.S. visa. And again, mind the background noise. I'm just recording this in my condo here in San Antonio, and my dog happens to be sitting beside me. This is Bo here with me. 
If he could talk, he'd probably say hi. Uh, but again, sorry about that, getting off track here. So today we're going to cover the detailed process of obtaining your U.S. visa. So I think what I believe, guys, is it can be broken down into four relatively simple steps, and they each kind of contain their own checklist as you go. So let's start with a quick overview of the four steps. So step one is going to be the first step in the process. And again, of course, step one, first step, I probably repeated myself too much there. But anyways, so the first step in the process is the sponsor filing a petition with the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. And again, if you guys have been doing any research on this topic, you've probably seen the capital letters of USCIS come up a lot. And that just stands for the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. So a visa petition is the first step in applying to the U.S. immigration authorities for the U.S. permanent residence, commonly called a green card. And then again, that green card, that's something that you guys definitely want to explore. Go for that option. So let's say you qualify to immigrate through either a family member or a company. If you guys think back to what we just covered in the recap, there's the family-based immigration and the employment immigration. So if you... Uh, excuse me, sorry. For, so if you elect to go through either a family or a company that wants to hire you. Let's say, for example, that your father is a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident, or perhaps you've been offered like a high-level job and the employer has already recruited uh, for American employees and found that there's none that were qualified, willing, or able, then they can definitely put in a petition to have you hired and come work for them. So do you think you can, can, can apply for your green card yet? Well, not quite. It's actually going to be up to you or your family member or your employer to start the process for you. So again, you guys have to have somebody sponsor you for a petition. You can't just go in there and do it yourself. So it's important that you remember that you, your, I'm sorry, not you, but your family member or your employer needs to start the process for you. And they must do that by filling out a form called a visa petition, at which time they become your petitioner and you become the beneficiary. So remember... You can't start the petition yourself. You need either your family member or your employer. And again, the family member that has to already be a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident. But they have to start the process for you. So that's an important point that you have to remember. Okay, so let's go over the visa petition itself. So the idea of the visa petition is to prove your petitioner's interest in helping you immigrate and that the petitioner has the right and the ability to do so based on your relationship or other factors. So again, let, just as a quick recap, uh, the foreign citizen has to be sponsored by, and the foreign, foreign citizen is you, uh, or it used to be me, but it is you. Uh, it has to be sponsored by the U.S. citizen relative, a U.S. lawful permanent resident or a prospective employer. And again, there's two types of main sponsorship choices, and there's family-based immigration and employment-based immigration. So back to the visa petition, basically the whole point of this is to prove that the petitioner or your family or your employer wants to actually help you come here, and they also have the right and the ability based on the U.S. law that they can do that for you. So that's kind of an important point. So let's give you two examples. So let's say that your mother is a U.S. permanent resident. So she's already in the U.S. She's living there. She's a permanent resident, and she's going to file a visa petition for you. She need to include a copy of your birth certificate showing that she is really your mother and of her green card or her permanent residency status. And then she also needs to show that she really is a permanent resident. 
And on a second example from the employment-based side, let's say that your employer is going to file a visa petition for you. It would need to attach proof that a labor certification was granted. It's kind of a lengthy process itself, and it's called PERM, which involves proving, proving to the U.S. Department of Labor that no U.S. qualified workers are willing and able to take the job. So again, I know that's a little bit tough, but... There's rules, and you guys got to follow them, and if you can find a job that this is the case, then this is going to be a really good way for you guys to do it because you're going to be qualified, and these guys want to hire you, and there's no U.S. workers that are willing or able to take your job. So that's just a side note. It's called PERM. You don't really have to worry about it, but just something to keep in mind. So going back to the example, let's say the employer filed a petition for you, has to show that the labor certification was granted, and it involves proving to the Department of Labor that they need your help and that they can actually pay you the wages that they're offering you. So it's going to show them their tax returns, annual reports, so on and so forth, and what your pay is going to be, and they're going to prove basically that you have a job they can pay you. And they're going to also need to show copies of your college degrees or anything else that pertains to the job that you're looking for just so they can prove that you have the skills to actually take this job on. So the visa petition also takes care of some other details like letting the U.S. CIS, and remember if we jump back, that stands for the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. You're going to be seeing that a lot throughout here. So it takes care of informing the U.S. CIS whether you'll be continuing your application through a consulate outside of the U.S. or through a U.S.-based U.S. CIS office. So you're either going to be doing this petition process from being outside the U.S. in the country you're living in now, or you're going to be taking it on inside the, in the United States at the U.S. CIS. So that is basically the point of the visa petition, proving that uh, why your sponsor is it sponsoring you to be here and why you're allowed to come here if you have the qualifications and that you actually are legit and you can come here. So that's an important part and the whole point of the visa petition. Okay, so next we're going to talk about the waiting list. So, I mean, this is, waiting is never a good thing and always, of course, it's inconvenient. But if you can get on the waiting list, that is the next step. So once your visa petition has been approved, and of course you just heard, but the visa petition is when your uh, relative or your employer is going to sponsor you to come here and prove why you can and why you should be allowed to live in the United States. Uh, so you're going to get put on the waiting list once your visa petition is approved. And it also serves another important function, but it actually establishes your place on a waiting list. So if you're applying in a category where only limited numbers of green cards or immigrant visas are given out each year, which applies to almost everybody except immigrant relatives of the United States citizens, and of course certain high-qualified workers, like if you're a rocket scientist or something like that, um, you're going to be put on this waiting list, and they're only going to give so many green cards per category per year. So the date that your family member or employer sent in the petition becomes your priority date. And again, that's an important term, your priority date. That's when your family member or employer sent in the visa petition. And that's going to likely be, have you guys ever been to like a meat store or a bakery or something like that where you just got to take one of those numbers and wait till, in line until you're called? You can look at everything, but you can't get anything until they call your number. It's basically the same thing, this waiting list that you're put on. And by checking the monthly visa bulletin on the State Department's website, you can actually see which priority dates are currently being served. So you don't have to just wonder when, 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 but you can actually go online, check out the monthly visa bulletin on the State Department's website, and it's going to show you which priority dates are currently being served. So again, your priority date 
is when your petition or when your employer or your family member sent in that petition for you and uh, as we go forward in that process uh, once you get on that waiting list you just got to kind of keep an eye on it watch for your category and your priority date and then that's when you're going to get your decision so you got to check that out on the state department website you're looking for the visa bulletin and again you can find that link uh, in my ebook on the USCIS website it's the visa bulletin to check your priority date okay so in the rare case that you're one of the lucky few there actually is a shortcut for immediate relatives and immediate relatives such as the parents, spouse, or minor unmarried children of a U.S. citizen, they don't only have to worry about the priority dates, guys, but actually they have a big advantage if they're living in the United States already. So let's say that you're already uh, living in the U.S. and your parents uh, are already U.S. permanent residents, but you are not. You actually have a pretty big advantage here. And what it is is actually that you're going to qualify for what's known as an adjustment of status. And that's a procedure in which the entire green card application is done without even having to leave the United States. You can submit the adjustment of status application to the USCIS together with the visa petition. This is, this is going to save you guys like several months, as in like three or four months of waiting for them to decide on the petition for you. Now, the only catch here is it's not available to everyone. So in particular, immigrants who enter the U.S. illegally normally can't use this option. So this is more for, you know, minors or uh, spouses or unmarried children of people that have become a U.S. citizen. And uh, they're living in the United States with that individual. They get kind of a fast track. So if you do have that lucky shortcut, definitely take advantage of it. And then just touching on how to prepare the visa petition. So for the detailed specifics on how to prepare the petition, I've laid this out in my ebook, The Beginner's Guide to U.S. Immigration. I know I've told you guys this a couple of times, but I can't stress it enough. If you guys get that book, it actually digs really deep, detailed, step-by-step -step processes on how to do this. Uh, it's going to be in the book, so definitely get that book. Check it out. The link is in the podcast description. Also available on iTunes and Amazon, so definitely check that out. The Beginner's Guide to U.S. Immigration by myself, Taylor Abbott. So we're going to look into now how to prepare that visa petition that we've been talking about. So again, there's two... Uh, ways you have, can have that immediate relative inside the United States, which gives you that shortcut or that fast track option. And then you can also have an immediate relative outside the United States. So let's start first with the immediate relative inside the United States. So generally, when you have an immediate relative who's inside the U.S., you can have that option, like we talked about, of adjusting the status to permanent residency. Although it is possible for family preference immigrants to adjust status, it's less common because the wait times associated with the categories. So again, to do that adjustment of status, if you're already living in the U.S. and you have an immediate relative who's going to sponsor you, you can just move for an adjustment of status, which is also known as a Form I-85, the application to register permanent residence or adjust status. It's the primary form that you guys are going to use. So there's a few key factors that need to be considered before you guys try to apply for this. And one of them is you have to be physically present in the United States. So obviously you have to already be here, living here in the United States. You have to have an approved alien petition. And you have to have entered the United States legally. So again, you can't be here as an illegal immigrant and try and get this. You have to have done it the right way, come across the border, checked in, have all the boxes checked. 
And again, lawful entry, just to double check or cover that, means that the individual was admitted or paroled into the United States. This generally means that you came across the United States with a valid documentation and made face-to-face -face contact with a U.S. immigration officer. And then let's look at the other side of things. So if you have an immediate relative but you're outside of the United States, you need to file for an I-130 petition. The USCIS will file, send your file to the National Visa Processing Center. And again, we'll talk about this more. It's the NVC. And the NVC will eventually coordinate the transfer of your case to the U.S. consulate in the country where you reside. This is known as consular processing. But first, there's a several things that are going to need to happen. This is very important. There's four main steps. So you're going to have to choose an agent. Now, an agent is the person that's going to receive the information about your case. You may be the agent, or you may select the petitioner, family member, or other person that you trust. After that, you're going to have to pay the processing fees. Now, of course, guys, you have to remember this is not a cheap or inexpensive process. Moving to the United States does take money, and uh, if you guys don't have some savings put away or some money put back, it's going to be really tough to get here, so keep that in mind. So you're going to be required to pay the immigrant visa application processing fee as well as the affidavit of the support fee. So after you pay the fees, oh, excuse my dog, that's Bo here, he's just jumping in the background. So after you pay the processing fees, you're going to have to submit the DS-260 visa application. So again, this application is prepared and submitted through the Department of the State website. And you're going to have to, after that, you're going to have to send the documents to the NBC. So again, the NBC is the National Visa Processing Center. So once you get uh, the agent, once you pay the fees and you submit the, the DS-260 application, you're going to send this all to the National Visa Processing Center. So after you've approved or submitted your petitions, you can either be approved or denied, obviously, one of two options. So let's talk about, obviously, because we're getting or learning about how to get to the U.S. and immigrate here, we're going to talk about what happens after it's approved. So this is going to be an exciting day and, of course, a big step forward for you on your path to the United States. Pat yourself on the back, but don't get too excited yet because you still have a ways to go. An approved Form I-130 is good news, but it's only the beginning of a process that requires several more forms to be filed with the USCIS or the Department of State. So unfortunately, an approved I-130 on its own doesn't give you permission to come to or remain in the United States, but actually what the I-130 approval is is a petition prerequisite to the immigrant who is then filing an application for a green card or a lawful permanent resident. So basically, you're approved that you have the opportunity to file for your permanent residency. So it's awesome news, great stuff, good thing that it happened, but it's only just another step. So after you get the approval of the I-130, the USCIS is going to mail the petitioner an approval notice, which is the person who sponsored you. And the next step depends on two really important things. So if the immigrant is an immediate relative or family preference category, or if you are inside or outside the United States. And again, with the I-130 approval, so the immediate relatives kind of get given the priority because there's actually no limit on the number of immigrant visas that they issue each year in that category. And on the other hand, for most folks, uh, uh, individuals in the family preference category are generally going to have to wait several months, sometimes several years, before they get an immigrant visa.
and a determination must be made if the immigrant is adjusting status inside the United States or if they will submit a green card application through the consular processing at a U.S. embassy or consulate. So all these factors determine the steps that happen after an I-130 is approved. But with that being said, all of, that is all we're going to have time to cover in today's episode. So next time, we're going to discuss the process of after your petition has been approved and what steps need to be taken to continue on submitting all of the documents required to the NBC or the National Visa Processing Center. But again, as always, please check out my ebook, The Beginner's Guide to U.S. Immigration Podcast, or should I say, The Beginner's Guide to U.S. Immigration. You're listening to the podcast, available on iTunes and Amazon. And that's going to give you a step-by-step guide to obtaining your U.S. visa. Everything we're talking about is more detailed, more laid out for you guys to understand easily in steps. Easy to follow steps, I should say. That's why I wrote it. And uh, it's available on iTunes and Amazon. So definitely check out the link in the podcast description. And as always, thank you for listening to the U.S. Beginner's Guide to Immigration podcast, part of the canvas. I'm Taylor Abbott. Until next time, have a great rest of your day. And we'll see you for episode three coming soon. Take care.